Amen. Well, it would be my joy if you would join me in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, we're beginning a new chapter in the book of Luke as we're studying about who this Jesus is, this friend of sinners, this son of man. And this morning we open up to Luke 14 and we find ourselves gathered around the table, not the Lord's Supper table, but with Jesus, with the religious leaders. And Jesus teaches us so much about the way we should live in love in the kingdom. So if you would read with me, beginning in Luke chapter 14, verse 1, it says, One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately put him, pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he had noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. Let someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him, would you give a dinner or a banquet? Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich Neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those that reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet, invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I Go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what, what you commanded has been done, and still there's room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. 
For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask for your help. We ask for the help from your spirit. Lord, that you might speak clearly through your word, that we might see Jesus. Lord, even as we just sang, Lord, there is no love that is higher, no love that is wider, no love that is deeper, no love that is truer than your love, O Lord. So, Lord, help us see this love. Help us see the love of Christ, and then help us as your people, Lord, display the love of Christ through our compassion, through our humility, Lord, even through our generosity, for the glory of your name and our joy, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm sure that if you grew up in a family like mine, you grew up as a little child learning a lot about manners, how to act at the dinner table. You learned what you should do and what you shouldn't do when sitting at the table, there's a certain way that you act. There's a certain way that you behave while gathered with people at the table. And sure, there's a big difference between your own house, where things sometimes at dinner can get a little rowdy, or being at someone else's house, the house of, you're a guest at someone else's home. There, there's a big difference between eating at McDonald's, where I've seen people climbing on tables, to, to eating at a white cloth, beautiful restaurant. You might have learned a lot of these things when you were young, where, where you put your silverware and when to use what silverware. You might have learned how to put your napkin in your lap while you're seated, how to not chew with your mouth closed or to not talk while you're chewing your food. Maybe even how to put your elbow, don't put your elbows on the table. Now, there's a new one since I was little. This is one that we all need to, to know. One, one we all need is that you, you don't need to text or be on your phone at the table, right? That's a new one from when I was little. These are things that we've, we've learned. And if, you're bringing, if your upbringing was anything like mine, your father had the look. Anybody else's daddy have the look? Some of, your, some of those daddies are in here right now, right? You know the look. You know the look. Did, did anybody else have a, a father that could look at you across the room and just give you the eye, right? The eye that said you are in big trouble. The eye that said this is going to be a long ride home tonight. The eye that said, this is not how our family acts. This is not what we do. This is not how we live. Well, the first half of Luke 14 all takes place at the dinner table. All takes place gathered around a banquet. It all takes place with Jesus being invited to eat at the home of a leader of the Pharisees. And here Jesus, full of grace, wants to teach all of us about table manners in the kingdom of God. How we behave in the kingdom of God. See, Jesus is watching, and he's not noticing the, the lack of manners from the Pharisees, how they hadn't put their napkin in their laps, how their elbows are on the table. No, he's noticing their lack of love. 
He's noticing their lack of humility, their lack of generosity. And as I've studied this passage this week, it has been so good for my heart to to spend time in the school of Christ, to, to spend time in the school of Christ, learning his kingdom etiquette for anybody who wants to follow him. Jesus wants to teach us the way to live, the the way to love. If we're going to be called his disciples, if we're going to be people of of his kingdom. And so I, I pray that we would all this morning listen prayerfully, that we would be saying together, Lord, teach us the way of your kingdom. Teach us how to live. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to look like Jesus. For the glory of Jesus and for our joy, the greatest joy is to live and look like Jesus. So so the first thing that Jesus tells us is that you, you never put off compassion. People of his kingdom, you, you never put off compassion. Again, Jesus is sitting, gathered around the table with a ruler of the Pharisees. The, the Pharisees were religious leaders who knew all of God's laws, but didn't just know them, they knew how to keep them. They knew how to look good keeping them. That they were proud of how righteous they were and even how much more righteous they were than you. That was their M.O. They, they would have never let someone hurting, someone needy, someone broken on the Sabbath get in the way of their righteousness. It's kind of ironic, right? I don't want anybody who's restless, who has a restless heart, to get in the way of my rest. This passage says that that they were watching Jesus carefully. It actually means they were watching lurkingly. They were wanting to trap Jesus, some commentators think. They wanted to see what he might do. For This man comes walking in with dropsy. This This is an issue of having fluid on the body and Why that's so important is that means it's not life-threatening. It's not life-threatening. So all the Pharisees, all the religious leaders would be thinking to Jesus, hey, this can wait till tomorrow. This guy's not going to die. This This guy's probably had this issue for years. What's the big deal? Why do you feel like you need to help him? It's not life-threatening. Well, Jesus knows their lurking hearts. And he asks them a question. He It's like he turns the tables and puts them in a trap. He says this, is is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? He says, if your donkey fell in a well, your ox fell in a a well, would you put off helping him till tomorrow? Would you say it's probably not life-threatening, hopefully he'll be alive tomorrow? Would you make him wait? Jesus knows their heart. Jesus knows their heart. He exposes that, yes, you care way more about animals than you care about hurting people. Their silence exposes them. They're prioritizing their religious performance over the restless hearts around them. We can do that too, can't we? We too can do this where we too put off compassion. 
we can put off compassion. Really, deep down, it's not as much about who we're putting off as really who we're putting first, isn't it? It's not as much about who we're putting off as who we are putting first. We're putting ourselves first. That's our heart. We're prioritizing our wants. We don't want to be inconvenienced. We don't want this to bother our afternoon. We don't want this to cost us too much. Really, we just don't want it because people are not as important to us as we are to us. So we put off those who are hurting, those who are restless. I know I can do this often as, as well. I can put off compassion if it's not something that's good for me. Doesn't fit in my schedule, my ideal day. I can do this every week at my house, even on the Sabbath. It's ironic, even on the the Sabbath, the day I set aside to rest, the day I set aside to rejoice in the Lord. And, And often on those days, there's a wife who's overwhelmed. And there's a kid who needs my help, yet my heart says, I don't want to be bothered. I'm busy protecting my rest. Not not wanting anything to mess with my peace, my joy, what I want on this day, rather than be concerned about their restlessness, their needs, their feeling overwhelmed. Again, it's it's not who we're putting off, it's who we're putting first. Jesus wants to teach us this morning to press into our hearts. The the church, he would love for Christ's fellowship to not put off compassion. To not put off compassion. Do, Do you know this? Did you know that compassion is the most ascribed emotion to Jesus in the Gospels? It's the most ascribed emotion to Jesus in the Gospels. And so Jesus here is saying, I want you to be like me. I want you to see people hurting and broken and move towards them like me. Compassion. It's not just feeling sad for someone. It's it's not having some sympathy from a distance. No, compassion is deep down in your guts. Compassion is literally love that can't sit still. It's love that must move. Love that must move. It's seeing classmates without Jesus on Western's campus, and you're filled with compassion, and you must move to tell them about Jesus. It's seeing refugees streaming into Bowling Green, hurting, needy, needing help, and and you must move to help them. It's seeing tornado victims and And flood victims, hurting neighbors, and not keeping them at a distance, but you must move to bring relief. It's seeing three billion people in this world who have never heard the name of Jesus. And so you must move to pray. You must move to give. Sometimes you literally must move to go. When your heart is filled with compassion that you can't sit still, you must move. 
we need to ask ourselves this morning, if, if you put off compassion, is it really compassion? If you put off compassion, is it really compassion? Now, the danger for this message, a message like this, is for those who are listening who are always moving. Like, you're always moving to help. You're always performing. You're always trying to do good. And sometimes you're trying to do good just to erase some guilt. Where you don't feel like you've done enough to be loved and forgiven by God. Listen, you need to be reminded that you're not defined by your religious performance. You're defined by the performance of Jesus. You're set free by the performance of Jesus. But you're set free that you might love. That you might move. No, my concern is more about those who never move. Though Jesus moved with towards you full of compassion. Brothers and sisters, let's not put off compassion. Let's not put off bringing rest to, to whoever we can. Let's not put off moving towards others like Jesus. Like Jesus moved towards us full of compassion. The next thing we see in this passage is that you can never get too low. You never get too low. In verses 7 to 11, Jesus is watching all those people invited. He, he's watching them stream in the room, and, and he's noticing something about them. All these religious people are making it a habit to sit in the, the best seats in the house. They're taking the highest place. They're longing for a place of prominence. They want the place where they know they'll be noticed. See, the Jewish seating for, for dinner, for banquets, was to have the seats in a U shape. The person who's at the highest or the guest of honor, they would sit at the bottom of the U, right at the bottom of the U where it came together. The most important seats that were left were those as close to him as possible. Close to the bottom, close to the center as possible. The place with the most admiration, the most attention. That's where the Pharisees were moving, towards the center. Yet Jesus warns them, someone higher might come in. Somebody you weren't expecting and you'll be sent to the lowest place. Literally, the first will be last. The, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. It's like the first time you try to go sit at the adult table at Thanksgiving. You remember that? First time you were kind of on the border. You, you weren't old yet. You weren't in your 20s or 30s. You probably shouldn't be there. You also weren't 4 or 5. No, you were 11 or 12. And I'm going to sit. At the adult table, there's a seat at the adult table. And for the first time, you get to sit down and you get to talk about sports. You get to talk about politics. You get to talk about whatever the men are talking about if you're with the men. Or if you're with the women, you get to talk about Target and essential oils and pumpkin spice, everything. I don't know what y'all talk about, but I'm sure it's wonderful. Well, then a, a guest comes in. Maybe a relative that no one's expecting or a long-lost friend that nobody planned for. And they, 
And there you go. You, you get demoted to the kids' table. Back down to the kids' table. Your knees are hitting the, the table. You can't even fit under there. And now you're talking about your favorite Paw Patrol character. I, lo I love what the ESV Study Bible says. It says, it's better to be humble than humiliated. It's better to be humble than humiliated. Listen, we too can be glory seekers. We sin by seeking to rob glory that belongs to God alone. We want the seat that's the highest place. We want to have the seat of prominence, to, to be noticed, maybe not in the room, but online. We, we're hoping to steal people's attention, to be applauded by others. We long for self-glory, glory that belongs to God alone. And this is what Jesus presses into their hearts in verse 10. He says, go and sit in the lowest place. Always, brothers and sisters, kingdom people, always go and sit in the lowest place. Listen, you can get too high in the kingdom of God, but you can't get too low. You can't get too low. Get Humble yourself, the word would say. At the proper time, the, the God of heaven will exalt you. There was a young man who was working for Operation Mobilization back in the 1960s. His name was Doug. He was a young guy, probably still in college. And Operation Mobilization was hosting their annual conference in London, England. Well, the night before the conference... It's way past midnight. Doug's the only one awake. He's around sweeping up the conference for tomorrow. When all of a sudden an older man comes in and asks, is, is this the conference? He's dressed very plainly. He's a simple man. He has nothing but a small bag with him. Doug tells him, you know, everyone's already gone to sleep and, and I'll have to find you a place to sleep. This man had brought nothing with him. So he took him to this large room, large probably conference room with 50-plus young people laying on the floor. And, and he had nothing, so he laid out a humble pad and gave him a light blanket and, and then rolled up a towel for a pillow. The older man said this was fine and that he deeply appreciated all that he had done for him. Doug then asked, hey, are you hungry? And he said, yes, I'm, I'm hungry. I've traveled, I've traveled all the way from my ministry in Switzerland. And all day long, I had nothing to eat. So, so Doug went to the kitchen, picks a lock on the door, and gets him this great bowl of cornflakes and milk. Well, the next day, Doug was in big trouble. Because one of the conference leaders comes up and says, don't you know? Don't you know who that was who you put on the floor last night? That's Francis Schaefer. He's the speaker for the conference this week. We had a whole room set aside for him. What a beautiful story. D Doug had no idea that that was one of the greatest Christian thinkers in all the world. One of the greatest Christian apologists, apologists of the 20th century. 
But the most beautiful part of all is that Schaefer didn't care he did. It was his joy to take the lowest place. It was his joy to take the lowest place. And brothers and sisters, we too must go to the lowest place. We must choose to be last. Take joy in being forgotten. That people might see Jesus. This is where God is. This is where we find him. I I read this in my time with the Lord this week. Isaiah 57 verse 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Where do we find that God? He says, I dwell in the high and holy place. That makes sense. He's holy. He's glorious. He's beautiful. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Do you want to be noticed? Not by people, but but by the Father. Go to the lowest place. Do you want to be renewed? To to be near him, to be revived by the Lord. We'll go to the lowest place. Be fine with being unnoticed, to, to not be recognized. Take joy in being last. Get comfortable there because when you go to the lowest place, that's where you'll find Jesus too. Washing the feet of his disciples. Going so low that he would go to the point of even death on a cross. So we too, we should never put off compassion. We too should never get too low. And finally, we should never stop being generous. Jesus lastly turns from the guests to the host to to show them the way of the kingdom. See, Pharisees loved hosting these big parties. They loved having elaborate feasts, the kind of who's who of the city. And it wasn't just for them to get noticed. No, they would invite people of prominence. People from whom they might have something to gain. Sure, they'd be giving up something by hosting it, but it was always about what they could be receiving. And Jesus teaches us here. He he presses into our hearts. Invite those who have nothing to offer you. Invite those who have nothing to offer you. Look at verse 13. He says, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And what's he say? And you will be blessed. And you will be blessed. These were the nobodies of society. Like the forgotten ones of society. The outcasts. The ones that no one wanted anything to do with. They couldn't pay you back with anything. Like they couldn't pay you back with money. They couldn't give you connections. They couldn't help you network. They weren't helping you find a job. They had nothing to offer you. Yet showing grace and being generous is the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is to shower grace, to to lavish love on those who have nothing to offer you. That's what grace is. Generosity is doing something for someone else without any thought of what's in it for you. 
doing something for someone else without any thought of what's in it for you. Or let me say it this way. It it ceases to be generous when you keep being the focus. It It ceases being generosity when the focus is all on you. And, and why do we do this? I mean, I'm including me with you. Why, do, why are we like the Pharisees in this? Why do we ask our heart things like, what, what am I going to get out of this? I mean, if I sign up for this, what, what will this, how will this benefit me? What's in it for me? How am I going to get ahead? What's the ROI? What's my return on investment? Is it worth what it's going to cost me? My money, my time, my energy. Is it worth it? What if your act of generosity gets you nothing but the smile of God? Would that be enough for you? Would it be a big enough return on investment if it was only pleasing to your heavenly father? If he was full of delight, if if heaven was filled with singing because of you moving towards someone, you being generous to someone, what if that was our aim? Because Jesus says this is what the kingdom is all about. It's about the generous heart of God. Do, Do you picture God as stingy with his grace or as generous with his grace? Or as gracious with his grace. See, Jesus tells this story about a big, the big heart of God. The the big heartedness of our God in heaven. He says, one day a man hosted a banquet. He invites all the people out there to come. And many people say, yeah, we're going to be there. You just tell me when the date comes. There was usually in that day two invitations. So these people had already promised they would be there. But then the day comes... And these people start making excuses. Oh, I, have, I bought some livestock. I need to go check on those. Which you would never buy livestock without checking on them first. Oh, I need to check on some land. Oh, I just got married. These were not good excuses to put off the master of the house. So the master tells his servants to go into the streets and, and to bring the poor. To, to welcome the crippled, to, to bring in the lame. And, and then when they come back and they say there's still room, there's still space, he says, go out to the highways and to, head, to the hedges and compel them to come in. It's a picture of our Savior Jesus going to the sick, going to the poor, going to the needy, going to the broken, and inviting all who would hear, anybody who would come, Come to the table. This is an open invitation for any sinner to come to the table in the kingdom. To come to Jesus and find life. To to come to Jesus and be lavished with his love. To come to Jesus and to be showered with his grace. Even when you have nothing to offer. Even when you're a nobody, even when you have nothing to bring to the table but your sin against God, even when you feel too broken this morning, 
Even when you feel too dirty, when you feel too desperate, when you feel too needy, when you feel too sick, when you feel too shameful, when you feel too addicted, when you feel too far gone, when you feel like you're too falling short. Jesus says, there's a seat at the table for you. There's a place at the table for you. And Jesus was gracious enough, generous enough to go to a sinner's cross to bear the wrath that sinners like us deserve so that we could be welcomed at the table. And so I want you to hear this morning, I want you to hear the call of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, the best news called the gospel. Jesus is saying to any sinner, come. Jesus is inviting every sinner to come through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The table has been made ready. There's a seat at the table for you. There's zero hesitation in Jesus' invitation for you today. Do you hear that? From this story, we hear him to go and compel people to come in. That means there is zero hesitation to Jesus' invitation this morning. He wants you to come. He invites you to come to him. And the good news is he, he will never want you to move away. He will never ask you to get up or to move. King delights in his children. Maybe this morning you're here and you've never turned from your sin. Maybe turned from your excuses. You've never run to Jesus and found a seat there at the table waiting for you. This morning, there's a table waiting for you. He has prepared it for you through his life, death, and resurrection. And he's calling you to come and sit and rejoice and being forgiven and loved forever. We should have generous hearts, church, just like Jesus. Live generous lives because we have a generous Savior. Christ Fellowship, the best way that we can be generous, the best way that we can be generous is being generous with the gospel. That we might go out to those who are needy and broken and poor and crippled and lame, the nobodies that everybody else forgot about and say that Jesus died for you. Come to Jesus. This story should shape the mission of this church. It should shape the mission of Christ Fellowship that we can never be too generous with Jesus. Like we're never going to run out of Jesus, never run out of his grace or his love. Any whosoever shall come, come to Jesus. Maybe a simple way that we can do this, a practical way that we can picture this gospel story is to open up our homes. To welcome people into our homes as Christ has welcomed us. That's true biblical hospitality. It's welcoming strangers. It's not welcoming someone so that they might welcome you. 
giving to someone so that you might get in return. It's welcoming others as Christ has welcomed us. What if a simple way we, we witness the gospel powerfully displayed at Christ Fellowship is that our dinner table started looking different? A simple way. We're going to be gracious with all they have. We're going to graciously invite people at our table so we can graciously invite them to Jesus. You know, some of these points this morning might seem kind of hard. You should never put off compassion. You should never, never stop getting low. You should never Stop being generous. Well, the truth is, all of us here in this morning, we lack in love, don't we? There's a lot of times we lack in humility, lack in generosity. If you're anything like me, you can be selfish. You can be prideful. You can be unwilling to give. But the gospel truth is that Jesus doesn't tell us to go anywhere where he's not willing to go himself. Everything Jesus calls his people to do in this passage, Jesus went before us, and he went for us. Jesus not only went before us, but he also went for us. For selfish, prideful, stingy people like us that desperately need his grace, desperately need his spirit to move in our hearts, See, Jesus never put off compassion because while we were still sinners, Jesus must move. He, he moved to die on a cross for us. Jesus never hesitated getting low. In fact, he humbled himself to the lowest place ever known, even to the point of death on a cross. Jesus never stops being generous. He gave his only life. He gave his life for us to rescue us. And he continues to lavish his love and shower his grace on us. Brothers and sisters, this is the only way into the kingdom. Through Jesus Christ and him alone. And brothers and sisters, this is the only way to live in the kingdom. Like our Savior Jesus who was full of compassion, full of humility, full of generosity for the glory of his Father and for our joy. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask, oh Lord, that you would, by the power of your Spirit, that you would fill us with compassion this morning, that you would fill us with humility, that you would, Lord, have a desire stirred in our hearts to seek the lowest place. Lord, that you would fill us with generosity, that we would not want to keep to ourselves, but to give and give generously and graciously. Lord, Lord, I'm asking that you would make us like Jesus. Lord, would you make us like your son, Jesus Christ, who moved towards us, who, who took the lowest place. And Lord, who is a never-ending stream of grace for those sinners like us. Lord, would you first draw us to Jesus this morning? 
Would you draw us to his love, his open arms, his open heart, welcoming, welcoming us, the greatest sinners, the greatest rebels, to his table that we might have life everlasting, that we might have love lavished on us, that we might know his grace that we could never deserve. Even when we had nothing to offer, offer Lord, Christ died for us. And then, Lord, I pray as you fill us with more and more of Jesus, that, Lord, we can't help but be filled with love. Lord, filled with compassion. Lord, humble. Lord, to be filled with generosity for the glory of your name. Lord, I ask that even this morning, as we sit in this place, as we sit in a room full of people, Lord, if someone doesn't know Jesus, Lord, I pray by the power of the Spirit, they would hear you say, come. Come to the table. That they wouldn't stand off in a distance. Lord, thanking that you would never have them, that you would never want them, that you would never welcome them. Lord, I pray that they would hear you they would hear the delight in your voice as you cry, come. I know you're a sinner, come. I know you've chased after other sins, come. I know you don't feel worthy, come. I know you feel full of shame and you're broken, come. Just come sit at the table, I'll call you my own and I'll make you new. Lord, would you do this by the power of your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.